You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Adidas discloses a data breach affecting customers who made purchases from its U.S. website. Facebook answers congressional questions for the record and adopts a data abuse bounty program. Investigation of the exactest data exposure incident continues, but the class action lawsuits have already begun. Algonquin College discloses a hacking incident. Tenable will hold an IPO. The U.S.-Russian summit will take up election influence ops. And FireEye says North Korea is hacking Latin American banks. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, July 2nd, 2018. Adidas laconically disclosed on their website late Thursday that, quote, an unauthorized party claims to have acquired limited data associated with certain Adidas customers, end quote. The affected customers, whom Adidas is in the process of notifying, were ones who made purchases from its adidas.com slash US site. The shoe and athletic apparel manufacturer says it became aware of the incident on June 26th. The company says the data affected appear to include contact information, usernames and encrypted passwords, but no credit cards. It's unclear how many customers are affected. If you're an Adidas online customer, security industry commentators are advising you to change your passwords. One possible sidelight, it's unknown if any of the affected parties are EU citizens. If they were, that would increase the German-based company's exposure to GDPR regulatory risk. Facebook has adopted a bounty system, the Data Abuse Bounty Program, in which it will pay third parties to find abuse of the data it handles. It paid $4,000 to a bounty hunter last week. Other companies are thought likely to follow suit. It's a form of crowdsourcing, analogous to the bug bounty programs that have become widely used in efforts to find and eliminate software flaws that pose security risks. Investigation of Facebook data abuse continues. The very long document Facebook delivered to the U.S. Congress Friday, 742 pages long, includes disclosures that Facebook continued to share user information with 61 app developers for some six months, after it said it had shut down such access in 2015. The information shared covered users' friends, those would be friends in the Facebook term of art meaning of the word, not in the ordinary acceptation of people one knows and with whom one enjoys a mutual liking. The friends' data shared included name, gender, date of birth, city of residence or hometown, photographs, and page likes. The disclosure, submitted to the House Energy and Commerce Committee in response to questions for record, suggests the high value such data have for marketing and other purposes, and the difficulty companies like Facebook have containing it. 
Another company handling valuable data is Exactus, which was revealed last week to have suffered a data exposure incident. Investigation continues. The company is a data compiler and aggregator that, according to MarketWatch, gets a great deal of its material from cookies. Exactus was discovered to have left nearly two terabytes of data exposed on the Internet. The company secured the data after the exposure was discovered and reported to them by Night Lion security founder Vinny Troya. Troya tweeted Friday that he's working with Exactus to determine whether anyone accessed the data. So far, what's known is that the data was exposed. The concerns to consumers lie mostly in the possibility of identity theft and of more plausible phishing campaigns that can be mounted with the considerable personal information held by Exactus. MarketWatch reports that Morgan & Morgan, a national law firm with headquarters in New York, has filed a class-action lawsuit against Exactus in a Jacksonville, Florida court. Morgan & Morgan's suit alleges that Exactus failed to take adequate steps to protect its data. The lawsuit seeks monetary damages and other relief for those whose data were exposed in the incident. Ontario's Algonquin College, with campuses in Ottawa, Perth, and Pembroke, disclosed Friday that its servers had been hacked. In a statement, the college said, quote, Algonquin College discovered the unauthorized and illegal access by hackers several weeks ago, and the college acted immediately to reestablish the security of the server, end quote. It will share information with staff, students, alumni, and others affected as soon as it finishes sorting the incident out. The college thinks no one lost any financial information, but it's unclear on just what data was lost. In industry news, Tenable, the company known for its Nessus vulnerability scanner, has confirmed long-standing rumors by announcing its intention to take itself public. On Friday, the Maryland-based security firm filed a Form S-1 with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, registering its intent to hold an initial public offering. The company intends to trade its shares on the NASDAQ under the symbol TENB. ZTE, its future still very much in doubt, has replaced its board as part of its ongoing effort to mollify U.S. regulators and legislators. Many observers remark that this change is more cosmetic than consequential, and in any case, the U.S. Congress at least seems very much unmollified. The House passed its version of the 2019 Defense Appropriations Bill with clauses that would effectively ban ZTE and Huawei products from the government market. U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton said yesterday that Russian attempts to meddle in U.S. elections would be among the topics taken up during this month's summit between Presidents Trump and Putin. This was among the topics discussed during pre-summit meetings last week. According to Mr. Bolton, Mr. Putin said, quote, There was no meddling in 2016 by the Russian state, end quote, but Bolton suggested that this amounts to a non-denial denial. As Reuters put it, that's different from saying there was no meddling at all. It's especially worth considering in this context President Putin's musings last month that patriotic Russian hackers may have acted against nations unfriendly to Russia, and that such patriotic zeal may have strained relations between such countries and Russia. Few observers believe that Russian freelance hacktivists can or do operate free of state direction, any more than the volunteers and green men fighting in Ukraine and Syria have nothing really to do with the Russian army. Thus a non-denial denial. And finally, FireEye CEO Kevin Mandia 
has offered an assessment of current North Korean cyber activity. They're intensely focused on bank robbery and are paying particular attention to financial institutions in Latin America. As he put it, Pyongyang is hacking the hell out of Latin American banks. Some of the more prominent recent victims have been Chile and Mexico. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program. Quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute, and he is also my co-host on the Hacking Humans podcast. Joe, welcome back. Hi, Dave. We got an interesting article that came by. This is from NextGov uh, website, and it says that only 15% of cyber researchers think the U.S. can defend against a critical infrastructure cyber attack, according to a recent survey. What's going on here, Joe? Uh, this is a survey they've distributed to uh, cybersecurity professionals. They ask them a bunch of questions, and fifteen uh, percent uh, of these people are wrong, <laughs> in my opinion. No, uh, they're, oh, I see they, what you're saying. They have they, they have their own opinions, of course. Right. Uh, my favorite thing was that only thirteen percent of the researchers believe that Congress and the White House understand the cyber threats and will take steps to further defenses. Is mm-hmm. the quote from the article? Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine all those uh, octogenarians not right. understanding. Yeah, uh, all those people who've made careers in, in politics and law right. that we've elected to office who who have never or who were as you point out were were grew up in a time where computers weren't really a thing mm-hmm. and 
Furthermore, they've never really made it their expertise to begin with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How are these guys going to protect us uh, on this? You know, this it, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, this was from the Black Hat folks. They got 315 information security professionals. These are folks who had been to Black Hat or are planning to go to Black Hat. So these are professionals, you know. Uh, and there were a couple of other interesting things from this report. They said that 52% believed that Russian cyber initiatives made a significant impact on the outcome of the 2016 U.S. presidential election. So about half. Right, about half. That's interesting. It's interesting to me that half don't believe that. I yeah, mean, I, I don't know where I fall on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there was definitely information operations going on. Right. But uh, I don't know how I, I I don't know how I would quantify how well that affected the relation uh, the election. Yeah. So see, that's see, that's why I would say I, I I could not answer in the affirmative on this only because I don't have any any data that quantifies it for me. You're still waiting for more yes. information to, to exactly. run. All right. Fair enough. Sixteen uh, percent approve of President Donald Trump's performance so far, while fifty three percent disapprove. And this was not limited to cyber issues. Okay. So that's an interesting contrast against that last. He did get there. rid of his uh, his cybersecurity advisor, right? But came out of the gate with a strong statement on cyber. So we we thought he was going to be and all over this. He's ex- issued executive orders since then, right? Right. Now here's an interesting one: forty seven percent agree with the statement. The shortage of women and minorities in the information security profession is a concern to me, while twenty two percent disagree and thirty one percent are neutral. So about half yeah. think that we need to do a better job of this. Right. And and this is something that is, for me, kind of personal. I mean, my daughter is a, an engineer mm-hmm. right now, and I don't know what the solution to this is. Right. Uh, we need to start raising engineers. And you you certainly, obviously, want to have as many opportunities available to her. You don't want any doors closed right. on her. No, just absolutely because of, not. Because she's a woman in the, in the field. Yeah, I want the most opportunities for her. Uh, but I don't know that she's at a disadvantage now that she has an engineering degree. I think where girls are at a disadvantage is a lot earlier in life. Hmm. And uh, I think that's why we need to start raising our girls, thinking of the opportunities that they're going to have down the road. Right. So so that they even consider those positions. Exactly. So that they, they, they consider it and that not only consider it, but desire it and view it as something they want to go into. Yeah. I mean, study after study says that... Uh the more diversity of thought you have, the better you're going to be at problem solving. Yeah, so that's true. The data is there. Yep. All right, Joe Kerrigan, as always, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Dave. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.